Welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. I'm Jason. And uh, we're a pair of invalids. And we're talking about 1997's futuristic gene-edited sci-fi movie Gattaca. Yeah, Happy New Year! Oh yeah, Happy New Year. <laughs> I forgot about you just that. just dove right into it. I was like, all right, we're doing it. Um, yeah, for our uh, first episode of the year, you and I usually like to... Uh, peer into the crystal ball look at uh what the future might hold for humanity yes um in the last couple of years it's been uh dystopian nightmare land yeah so we're gonna continue that theme a little bit here <laughs> yeah of course why wouldn't we yeah <laughs> <laughs> with one of the uh most acclaimed sci-fi movies of all time gattaca yeah and it's i feel like it's like under the radar for a lot of people but then yeah. it's very much on the radar for everyone's sci-fi and even we have haven't watched it until now yeah there's like two camps that you're in yeah. you're either like a hardcore ride or die sci-fi fan like i'm talking like seen every star trek season you know what gattaca is yeah. and then there's like the other side of people like you and i who love like sci-fi but aren't in love with sci-fi uh yeah, yeah. like you know like we like actiony sci-fi right yeah and we we like we cover so much ground outside of sci-fi yeah. that it's hard to go super in depth all the time into sci-fi right away yeah and and just other people who like maybe like aspects of sci-fi but wouldn't go out of their way to watch a sci-fi movie yeah, yeah. and and this one's a weird this one falls into a weird camp because it's really cool I, i'm really glad that you and i get to talk about this one because it's a sci-fi movie but it doesn't follow necessarily the DNA of a sci-fi movie. Good uh, little pun there. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't have all the violence and like action and like sexiness of traditional sci-fi, or l- at least like mainstream sci-fi. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it goes more character-driven and story-based. Yeah, really. and like, I want to talk a little bit more in detail about that when we get to um, the "Who Is This Movie For" part. But yeah. before we get started and dive into plot, do you want to say that we're trying a new format for the podcast uh, for the next couple of months? We'll see how it goes. Just a small change, really. Yeah, we're gonna break the episode into two and release them on a weekly basis instead of bi-weekly. Um, so the first part's going to be kind of the opening primer that we've done on our episodes regularly kind of explaining giving a rough uh outline of the plot talking about the characters people you may know who this movie is for when to watch where to watch all of that sort of thing so you don't necessarily have to watch the movie going into this episode and and you really get the experience of deciding whether or not the movie's yeah yeah it's like us like when you and your friend are like just telling each other what sh- like oh i just watched this awesome movie you should check it out like and you don't want to spoil it too much yeah that's basically what we're doing there yeah exactly and then the second part is going to be really the second part of our regular episodes which is going into our discussion of our favorite scenes favorite quotes and then all of the behind the scenes action yeah so yeah this is part one of gattaca and uh we'll get started with the plot i think yeah, so uh, our main character, Vincent, is a natural-born baby in a world of perfectly edited peak humans. He's out to prove everyone wrong with the help of a slightly imperfect peak human, Jerome, who lends him his name to get ahead and try and make it to space. It's a little bit more than name, too. It's DNA. Yes, It's, it's yes. every aspect of his personality and life, like... He, he has to Completely, become Jerome, yeah, essentially. Yeah, which is... Uh, I don't think we've seen like a case like that 
in no. sci-fi before, so this is like a fairly unique proposition. No, there's there's similar there's movies that explore like exchanging identities or or something like that, yeah, but like never not in this way. Identity, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and and this one's very unique in the way that it approaches that. Yeah, because like I feel like a lot of the time someone will just craft an identity that could be real but isn't even close to real yeah or like yeah like like or even like the prestige aspect of personalities and identity and i can't really talk too much more about that if you haven't seen it because it's awesome movie Mm -hmm. that you need Mm -hmm. to see it's very unique let's just get into characters and people you may know yeah so the film really is through the lens of vincent freeman who is also dual playing uh as jerome morrow or as I guess using the identity of Jerome Morrow. Mm. Um, so he's considered an invalid is what they call the natural born babies um, who haven't had their genes altered to remove any imperfections, any maybe diseases down the line, that sort of thing. I guess the word eugenics may be relevant there. Very much uh, so, yeah. Probably describing <clears throat> and better than uh, how I could. Vincent's played by Ethan Hawke, which if if you're into like, Maybe art house movies and and smaller budget movies. You probably know Ethan Hawke. Um, I feel like everyone knows him or has seen him in something, and then like they're like, "Oh, I know that guy." Yeah, he's he's a very prolific actor. Yeah, that yeah. you might know him from things. And I'm gonna list off some of his movies, but like prolific actor is maybe an understatement because he's been in 84 movies since he started, uh, which is about 40 years ago. So he's been in about two movies. He- Every single year. Yeah. Most of them are like, like any, the, any of his that I've seen, I've fucking loved. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, so this year he had the black phone, uh, which I saw in theaters. It's based mm. on a Joe Hill, uh, book. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah. You were telling it was pretty me good. That. Yeah. It's pretty good horror movie. He did training day, which is probably his most famous movie beside, uh, what's his name? Denzel. Uh, yeah. Denzel Washington. Yeah. Denzel um, and him in training day. Like that is that's peak Denzel, I think. Yeah. And um, for like Ethan Hawke, who again, like I don't know how well he was known in 2001 when Training mm-hmm. Day came out, but like that must have been huge for him. Yeah. And they just like their dichotomy was so awesome to see. That's uh, my friend Viraj's favorite movie. So shout out to him. Yeah. Um, he was also in the Before series, called, so Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. I don't know much about those ones. I haven't seen those ones. Um, Other recent stuff, he was in in the TV show Moon Knight this year on Disney+, Plus, which, again, haven't seen that. I'm not a huge Marvel fan, so... He he (sighs) plays, like, an evil guy, and he, like, puts glass in his shoes, like, broken glass, and walks around. Yeah, he did pretty, pretty, like, badass in that. Uh, He was the father in the movie Boyhood, which I think won an Oscar, potentially, (laughs) and the movie Predestination. Have you seen that one? I don't think so. Oh, it's on Netflix. Um, mm, it's no. very similar in vibe to this one. Mm. So I would say if you really like Predestination and really liked him in Predestination, then I would check this one out as well. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, I kind of remember him in Lord of War, but I'm not 100% mm. sure. Yes, yes, that, that was another great... big one. Same director, I think, oh, yeah? as well. Oh, Yeah, I think I've got that written down as uh, same director. And Nick Cage is in that one, starring yeah, that one. Yeah. The other movie that I was going to shout out before we move on from Ethan Hawke is uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, which is Sidney Lumet's last movie. He oh, uh, co-starred. No way. Yeah. Wait. Oh, no. Yeah. Was... That's him and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. 
It's supposed to be a good yeah, one. Yeah, I haven't I have seen it see yet. That. That'd be awesome. <clears throat> Should I go into his like character name meeting and like do? Oh, uh, let's one? do that later. We'll let's do them do all that. together. Yeah, all right. let's do that when we get into the spoiler talk. Um, so the next character that we I want to mention is act the actual Jerome Morrow. He was considered a valid, so he was born uh, with the gene editing, and he was a swim star prior to getting into an accident and becoming paralyzed. Did you know that ahead of time, or only find it out later yourself? Because I didn't know that until the end of the movie. Which part? The the swim star stuff? Yeah, the fact that he was a swimmer. Yeah, I just, yeah they brought it up. I just saw the medal, but you didn't actually see what was on the medal until mm. the end, I think. So. No, he talks about it. They talk about it and how he was a swim star and how like he was... he Yeah, I, didn't I, know I can't talk swimming. too much about okay, the plot, but. Anyways, we'll continue. Yeah, played by Jude Law, who yeah. I had no idea was in this movie until the credits started rolling, and I was like, no way! Yeah, yeah, and like, again, like this is what... 20 something years ago yeah he was 20, 25 at the time yeah i looked it up yeah um, so that's pretty early not super early for him but like he looks pretty, real young in it yeah, like compared yeah. to what you uh think of jude laws he uh who you may know from and and these are kind of the where i know him from he plays watson in the guy Ritchie, robert downey jr yeah. sherlock holmes series which yeah. is a really fun series it's got that guy Ritchie kind of humor and style to it so yeah great, great series movie. yeah and, and he's also in fantastic du- beasts yes fantastic beasts is the other one i was gonna mention uh he's dumbledore yeah and then uh there's uh another like very little known one that i want to mention it was 2013 dom hemingway that would be a phenomenal movie for someone who just loves Jude Law to go watch. Mm-hmm. He just plays like a deranged bank robber. He's not deranged, but he's such a unique character in that. Mm. Like, I've never seen a character like that before. And but he just kills it. Like, like deranged in, as in like, like Jeremy Renner in the town or? Uh, no, it, it's more like uh, like he's he's just super gangster and like the way he thinks is he's just so vulgar and like disgusting while still being like super classy about it. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So kind of like Jeremy Renner in the town. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember him specifically. In oh the town. man. Jess, I watched it recently. It's a great mm. movie. And what I will say about him and Ethan Hawke and their characters is there's a lot going on in this movie and there's a lot that you can come to appreciate. And one of those things that you m- might really appreciate about this film is the relationship between their characters. Yeah. Like honestly, if you come into this movie, like I said, there's a lot to hone in on um and you could probably like there's different aspects that you could say would be like the primary aspect of the movie and what's trying to portray. And for me, like their relationship is is maybe one of the more important aspects Definitely. of the film. Yeah. The other character to mention is Irene, who is uh, the co-worker of Vincent Freeman playing Jerome Morrow, and also becomes kind of the love interest for Jerome. Um, and they kind of share a an interesting connection as well. And played by the always great Uma Thurman, mm-hmm. who you definitely know from Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill, very very important movies and some of my favorites of all time as well as a nymphomaniac one of your favorite movies yeah yeah uh, which we've talked about on the podcast before and you've talked about i didn't know she was in nymphomaniac so it's kind of neat yeah and she was pretty crazy in that (laughs) that that whole movie is crazy i I don't know i don't even want to call it one of my favorites because it's not but it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) nice there's there's a bunch of other actors that appear in this movie as well that they just have like smaller appearances but they're people that you see them on screen you're like 
I know you. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of fun. Like, for example, Dean Norris shows up. Uh, Hank Schrader from Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Um, he plays one of the detectives. Uh, he's the one who oh. uh, catches Jer- the real Jerome Morrow uh, on the, in the wheelchair. It, yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah, that scene. Okay. Yeah, so he, I, I don't know. I just saw it. I was like, oh, there's Dean yeah. Norris. I didn't catch that. Um, I also didn't catch Maya Rudolph. Yeah, I didn't but catch Maya Rudolph either. Yeah, uh, but she, she had a mask on. She was just a nurse. In yeah, the... she appears really briefly yeah, at the yeah. beginning, but that's her first uh, film role. Mm. Um, so kind of cool. Yeah. Tony Shaloub, who plays Monk, is probably his most yeah, known role. I noticed that right away and pointed yeah. that out to Annabelle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's also in Galaxy Quest, which is a really, really fun sci-fi comedy. It's a great movie. Oh yeah. Okay. I haven't seen it, but I I would highly recommend that one to big sci-fi fans. Uh, and then Xander Berkeley is actually one person I want to mention. He's a character actor. He plays the doctor who's always doing the testing on uh jerome and i was like damn i know that guy and i realized it's because he's in like a million things uh and the two more notable uh things that he's been in is in terminator 2 as well as heat he was in here heat did he have like a ponytail in heat or something (laughs) Uh, i don't remember who he played in Heat. i don't remember either uh he even did a movie and this is really funny or he did a documentary called that guy who was in that thing Uh, which is like a perfect like epitome of of his role in movies (laughs) and it sounds like kind of an interesting documentary i actually added it to my list to check out another one that i i don't know who gore vidal is He's a very famous political figure. Uh, I did a little bit of reading on him. Yeah, Uh, He's like a bit of a philosopher, political person. Yeah, he's kind of important to the film as well, but I didn't have too much to talk about with him. The one person I did want to mention, and uh, this is a shout out to Mike, who's not on the episode this week, but uh, Greg Sestero makes an appearance in this. You does look like you know that name. Nope. He's uh, <clears throat> one of the main characters from the movie The Room. Not Room, but The yeah, Room, yeah, yeah. Uh, which if you haven't heard of that movie, you might have heard of The Disaster Artist, the book and the film that came out about mm. the best worst movie ever made. So he's in the original. Yeah, he's in the yeah, he's yeah. in Gattaca. He's yeah. uh so he he's in that scene where they've got all of these invalids kind of together and they're oh, and yeah. they're coming through DNA of everybody. Uh so he, he kind of blink and you miss him kind of thing, but it's just cool that he's there. Hmm. And then uh in terms of director, so this is Andrew Nichols, his most important film, I would say. I think it's his first directorial debut. And previously to this film, he actually wrote The Truman Show, uh, which put him on the map. Yeah, he wrote it and he was trying to get it like produced and he couldn't uh, get the right people involved or something like that until like Jim Carrey came on and he got someone else to produce it. So he, yeah, he wrote direct it. it. Yeah. yeah. And then you mentioned The Lord of War, which is, again, uh, Ethan Hawke and then Nick Nicolas Cage together. Hmm. The other two recent movies that you may have watched in the last 10 years are In Time and The Host. I haven't seen either of them, but I I know both of them. I can picture the general <clears throat> trailers of each of those. In uh, Time is like a sexy version of Gattaca, sort yes. of in a, like, not related. To, it's sci-fi, but it's not like, he, yeah. So it's he, about time, he, though. He actually yeah. wrote and directed both of them, right? Unreal. And, I, li- I liked In Time. And so he called In Time basically the bastard child of Gattaca. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which makes, which makes a lot of sense, yeah. So who's this movie for? This is a really interesting discussion. I think this is part, maybe going to be my favorite part of the discussion of the podcast. Because, like, it is a sci-fi. And it's something that sci-fi nerds are going to love. But 
it's a sci-fi, but like the it's, sci-fi isn't the main point so of the movie. It's low sci-fi compared to high sci-fi. <laughs> Something it's, like that. It's like so. It's, it's not like high adventure fantasy, yeah, like sci-fi. Don't think Star Wars going yeah, into this one. Like yeah. I, so the way I would describe this is, it's like a neo noir film that almost feels more like the Shawshank Redemption, Goodwill Hunting, and Blade Runner combined. And I think if you like Blade Runner, that you're really going to like this as well because it's kind of like a it big be, ideas movie. Yeah, it could be even like almost like a prequel. In a sense, not actually yeah. in any way, but like it's like this is like what happened to humans before the before, replicants. Yeah, before we expand, because this is only like what year is this set in? Like twenty thirty eight or something like that. I don't remember if they. I don't know if they, if said they it, say yeah. that, but it's like it's in a world that isn't far, far from us. Yeah, far from us, or essentially. far from nineteen ninety seven, even really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a movie that could take place like. 20 years in the future if if like science progressed really quickly and so yeah so like it's it's a movie that's it's a thriller first i would say and one of the central themes of the movie is hope in my opinion and so that's where like i honestly think it's similar to blade runner and shawshank redemption in that regard and it's also like watch a Ability, I think similar to Shawshank or like this is a movie that I'll probably come back to like every five years yeah I, I don't think many other people would come back to this a lot like the average watcher but like <laughs> it is very good for people who like movies and like are willing to look past just the surface of the movie because just on the surface mm-hmm. I think it's not aged because or dated sorry just because it's not as exciting and thrilling as right. like people who only watch like like post two thousands like two thousand ten movies mm-hmm. like more modern stuff. It feels but like it is, an old movie. Yeah, yeah, but nothing. When you're watching it, nothing really makes it feel that old. Right. It's yeah. It's complicated there. It's just a slow burner. Yeah, um, it's just a slow burner, and that's where the average movie goer isn't gonna love it. And and. I wouldn't say it's like got bad pacing. It's just it's no. just a slow burner. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's also kind of a mystery, but I wouldn't say the mystery element is like a central point to the plot. Like like it is. It but gets it, things going. Like it's it's like there's like there's like two types of mysteries that I was I was thinking about this. And there's the mystery where it's like at the end you can think about it and go okay like looking back they were actually giving me all the clues here and some mm. of these were like fake clues to fake you yeah, like red yeah. herrings yeah and and so you got when it when it all snaps together you're like oh damn that was really cool how they did that mm. and i wouldn't say that's like that's really important to this yeah. one it's just more like it's it's there to get the plot going yeah and to it's like it's like part of what he has to fight against yeah is like the current mystery that isn't that important what Mm -hmm. really is important is the overall thing that he's trying to get past it's like the human nature side yeah like it's like there's man versus man which is the mystery and Mm -hmm. then there's man versus nature which is the whole theme right yeah um or uh, man versus man it they're both man versus nature and man versus mankind. Anyways. Yeah. The other thing is, is like, obviously we said already that it's like a dystopian future film, mm. but it's kind of, it's really cool and unique in the sense that it's that, but it's with the 1960s, 1960s aesthetic. And it's similar to like the fallout 
video game franchise which is really cool i've never seen that in film before and obviously i've played those games Mm. so it felt cool kind of transitioning into like a pre-nuclear war version of that yeah yeah i see what you mean Um, yeah because it's like they've stuck with the like uh like mad men aesthetic yeah but it's the future and they just Mm. decided like this was humanity's coolest aesthetic and we're just gonna go with it (laughs) yeah so if you like classic cars there's so many cool cars this we'll probably talk about that when we get to uh, a little bit more in-depth discussion about the movie but i just kept uh throughout the movie i just kept being like damn that's a nice car yeah the uh the other thing that i i think that a modern audience might come from uh, for this one is actually Black Mirror. Um, there's a bit of a yeah, renaissance yeah. with this kind of movie with the Black Mirror TV show and how popular that is. Yeah, and there has been like a few more since then that are like in that realm. Yeah. Even like other shows like Upload, which mm-hmm. is like more of a funny version. Yeah, and, it's a uh, very satirical version. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like I would definitely say that would that's those kind of audiences that are modern would like this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because it's it's so similar in tone, and it's also like in a not too distant future, this could be what happens to humanity if we continue to like go to the extreme of one area yeah, of science. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I will say is it's less knife twist ending that yeah, black yeah. mirror episodes usually have yeah. um it's more kind of like a profound experience yeah it's it's nice there's a lot of suspense mm-hmm. and like you're on the edge of your seat but it's for like a whole other reason mm-hmm. kind of and then in the end you're like like everything worked out kind of yeah yeah exactly anything else anybody else you uh think this movie is for if you've read a brave new world again it is just sci-fi but like a brave new world is probably the closest piece of fiction that to this it is probably like that's there's one area like this is like directly from a brave new world basically but with a um whole other storyline going on i wonder if you could almost recommend this to people who who enjoy reading because there's a there's a heavy narration throughout the yeah, yeah. movie it kind of feels like a, a visual book almost yeah right like it feels like this could have been adapted directly from a novel yeah yeah 100 percent. like almost like if you took a different character completely in a brave new world mm-hmm. and just went through what his life would be like that's what this that's what Gattaca is yeah yeah cool so when to watch I think this is because there's so many ideas going on throughout this movie it's it's one that I think you got to be really paying attention to it's something that you go out of your way to like you want to have a kind of profound experience you want to think throughout the movie you want to you want to feel something you want a movie to make you feel something and that's definitely this as an introvert I think we're both kind of introverts I think this is Maybe the first time I've ever said this on our podcast, but I think this movie is a good solo watch. It's a good movie that yeah. you, you get through it and and you kind of experience what the movie is trying to make yeah. you experience. And then afterwards, like it's a movie that I could see myself sitting back after watching this in my chair and just kind of sitting there by myself and thinking about like, yeah, like it, it hits you in like a deep spot where yeah. you, you just want to sit there and, um, be introspective a little bit yeah Yeah, exactly so it's kind of it's it's unique in that sense like it i if in 1997 i was at the point i was was at an age where i wanted to go see this i think going alone and seeing at the theater and just sitting there for like five ten minutes afterwards and just thinking about it would have been a really cool experience 
And then where to watch. So we always uh, find our movies on Just Watch because it's a real awesome website for finding where movies are streaming. So we always recommend that for where to find our movies. Right now it is streaming for free on CTV, which has ads. I don't know if there was maybe six ad breaks throughout the movie. It wasn't too bad. And honestly, this movie... Because of, I think, the budget of this movie, it kind of feels like a TV movie a little bit. And so I wasn't as bothered by the ads in it. Yeah. Wait, the ads in... Oh, you, oh, you were watching... Okay, yeah, I, I watched see, it I with see. ads um, All right. <laughs> through the CTV app, so... What's I was like, I completely missed the advertising throughout this whole <laughs> Just movie. Just like the hardcore advertising they had pitched throughout the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Really they, didn't take see, away from it. <laughs> they could have went that way, like Blade Runner, where they have yeah. like the where they have the futury or yeah. uh, Fifth Element, mm. where like mm-hmm. that's like where this could have gone. Except I think these peak humans don't need all that. Right. They might have like written that out the way they've eliminated bad parts of humans and kept all the good ones and amplified them mm. is very like narrow. And so I don't think these people need to be advertised to and stuff like that. Know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And that's it actually for our primer. So if uh, you're interested in going and check this one out, I, I think you know who you are at this point. Um, I, I enjoyed this movie. I'd recommend it to people. Um, and a relatively large audience I'd recommend this to. Like, is everybody going to love this? Not necessarily if you're not into slow burners, but otherwise... Yeah. Did you have a partner factor? Yeah, Jess uh, watched it with me, and and she enjoyed it as well. So, and she, she's not somebody who necessarily gets too fussed about Sci-fi. pacing. Oh, but, pacing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that was Annabelle's only complaint. She had watched it previously. Mm. She didn't want to watch it again just because of the pacing. Yeah. Whereas uh, Jess, basically, when we wrapped it up, she was like, "That wasn't really a sci-fi. That felt like more like a yeah. thriller to me." And yeah, that's where like uh, it would be a good intro sci-fi movie yeah if someone can handle the pacing yeah yeah exactly Uh, like it's a movie that you could watch with your grandparents yeah whereas like it wouldn't trip them out too much yeah exactly (laughs) it wouldn't be like interstellar or like yeah one of those where it's like whoa yeah 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 for sure or like Planet of the Apes, like old school Planet of the yeah, Apes or yeah, something, where yeah. you where you got to be on board with like some fantastical elements. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so that's it. Yeah, so uh, let us know what you think about the change in format at this point, but we're going to cut it off here, and uh, we'll see you guys in a week for the uh, in-depth discussion of the film. Yeah, looking forward to that.